When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. The Premier League finishing line is in sight and most clubs have already crossed it. Just two or three laps to go in the top flight season. Manchester City have already broken the ribbon and Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United have fallen by the wayside. But what about the other runners and riders? Places on the rostrum still yet to be decided as we have a four-way dance for Champions League football. At the back of the pack are Tottenham who take on Wolves this weekend. Liverpool may come through strong after beating Manchester United midweek. Chelsea have their noses in front but could yet be unseated and the dark horses of West Ham may sneak up the inside to claim a top four spot. Whatever happens, we could be in for a blanket finish as the Premier League season approaches its climax and we're here to preview all of this weekend's affairs on Football Social Daily, the podcast with a new show every day of the Top Flight campaign. My name's Niall and the podcast punters at the races today are someone whose side's already in the parade ring, Manchester City fan Adam Keyworth. How's it going, Keezy? I'm good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a strange week. Uh, I thought tonight might be the crowning evening, but that's already gone. So we're just going to pretend it's the crowning evening anyway and uh, maybe pop pop some champagne later on. We'll see. Yeah, you can't call it a strange week when you've won the Premier League three out of the last four seasons. <laughs> no, it's a strange way to win it though, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very weird, like Tuesday night when you're cooking your tea. Yeah. It's a very odd thing, but, but we're there anyway. Well, the last two seasons, the title has not been won on a game. It's been won on a game that the team wasn't playing in. So I suppose it's something we'll have to get used to. And Jay Motti from Manchester United YouTube channel and the aptly named for my intro, Stretford Paddock, is here as well. Hi, mate. Hi, it's great being here with Keezy when he's won the league and he can talk I'm about so glad. Do you know, I'm do just, you know what? You know what? I just couldn't have picked a better time. Honestly. <laughs> I thought I was on with Dave, right? And I thought that'll be a laugh. As soon as Jay said, it's me, I thought... <laughs> I thought I might have to take the afternoon off work here. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's it's not even worth rubbing in. It's, it's uh... <laughs> that's that says it all, that when you, it's not yeah. even worth rubbing in. That's that's a sad indictment of the way things are going. <laughs> well, there aren't too many exciting star-studded fixtures this weekend in the Premier League, but nonetheless, there are some interesting ones to get our teeth stuck into. And we're going to start at the Hawthorns, where West Brom take on Liverpool. That's a Sunday, four thirty p.m. kickoff. Jay. Thursday night, Manchester United against Liverpool at Old Trafford. Liverpool's first win at Old Trafford since 2014. They got the victory, four goals to two. United fell apart. And I guess you could say now the momentum might well be with Liverpool in the top four race after that result. Yeah, it was really frustrating for me the other night uh, watching United because, like you say, sort of... It, people say, does it really matter? It always matters when you play Liverpool. And also the added chance of stopping them getting top four. I think if we'd have won, they wouldn't have had any chance of getting there. Um, which, at least you can go into next season knowing that they're not in the Champions League, they haven't got a chance of winning it. And that might sound sad, but they are our rivals and I don't want to see them win it. So it was annoying. Um, they do seem to have sort of got that little bit of momentum. They've got some, you know, I don't know if you've heard, they've had some injuries. They don't <laughs> like to talk about it, but they've had one or two players out. Um, but they've also got a lot of good players available as well. You know, they've got the front three, they've got a very strong midfield, um, and even defensively, I know the centre-backs have a, a sort of makeshift centre-backs, but they've still got three of the back five who, who won the league. So it is looking good, looking good for them, it pains me to say. I know they've got to rely, I think, on other results as well, but, you know, they, they, they've got to be pretty pretty happy with the way things are going because a couple of weeks ago, it just looked like it, looked like it was over, didn't it? It looked like it wasn't going to happen, and then... You know, Chelsea um, lose at Arsenal, United lose to, to Liverpool, and, and mm. all of a sudden it starts looking a lot more rosy. They're in a decent bit of form, and with the players they've got and the games they've got coming up, you know, you can't count them out. Unfortunately, you can't. And it just be, it'd be just my luck that you know City win the league and maybe the Champions League as well, and Liverpool make top four. It just top it all off. <laughs> well, it would only top it off if United lost the Europa League too. No, Don't forget I didn't about want that, to throw one. that one. In. I didn't want to, you know, speak it into existence. So yeah, you're right though. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it is a time for Manchester United fans to wince, Keezy, because obviously your boys over in East Manchester have won the title and they've been title contenders, Man City, for the last, well, for a long time now. Liverpool as well have also been up there. But it's almost raged this debate in the last 24 hours after the uh, result at Old Trafford, even though the top four is far from decided yet with three games to go, about who's better equipped next season to really make a title charge. Who do you think is going to cause Manchester City the most trouble next season? Is it Manchester United or is it a Liverpool side who, let's not forget, have had a very poor campaign by their standards? Uh, whoever has the best summer for me. Um, I think this season has shown faults in Liverpool's squad. Um, it's also shown some stubbornness and probably some naivety on Klopp's part where he had all those injuries and he just totally refused to change. Um, we saw in that, that run where they kept losing games at home and he would not change the system and the front three. And yeah, they've had injury problems, like Jay says. They've not mentioned it, but they have. And that's obviously going to affect them. You, you lose your two centre-halves and it's going to be difficult. But they need to freshen up, I'd even say, that front three. I think Mane uh, seemed to fall out with Klopp again last night for not starting. Jota was a great signing for them. Really good player, but it feels like they need a change they might need another midfielder as well. They'll they'll be back up there next year if if you bring Van Dijk and Gomez or Matip back in, without a doubt. And on the flip side of that, I think United aren't too far off. They're probably a midfielder away, a winger away and a defender away. 
but it's whoever can get the players they need in in summer, I I think. Um, and whoever's willing to change and adapt. I think United have done it better than Liverpool this year. They, they mm. adapted when they needed to adapt. Liverpool didn't. City changed the entire way that they play to find a way, and it worked. So, I, I mean, either of them could be up there. Chelsea will be up there next year as well. So, yeah. But I think big summers for both of them are needed, and it's whoever can actually get the players they want this year. Well, Liverpool are now in fifth after their victory against Manchester United midweek. There is still a points gap to Chelsea, who, as I say, are leading the way, but they don't have a game in the Premier League this weekend because, of course, it's the FA Cup final against Leicester, which is the centre of their focus if they play even 50% of how they played against Manchester United, and I didn't even think that Liverpool had to play well against Manchester United to get the result, which is, uh, like Jay says, a sad indictment of their performance just a few days ago. Uh, I think that they should easily get the job done against West Brom this weekend. But, Jay, this is the Premier League, and we always say that it's the most competitive league in Europe. So do you think Big Sam can leave the Premier League and, and leave West Brom this season with a bit of a sting in the tail by beating Liverpool at the weekend? I mean, I think the best he's going to get is going to grind out a draw, if I'm being brutally honest. And it will be and a grind as well. <laughs> yeah, and it will be sort of, you know, an 11-man defensive unit um, that, that sort of stinks it out. But I just think that, just going back to the game at Old Trafford, which I'm loath to do, but I think it's relevant, is Liverpool went into that game and started that game like a team that knew they had to win. United didn't. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying, oh, we, we lost because we didn't try. None of that nonsense. It was just the pace of that game at the start was frenetic. And it was actually ironic that we got the first goal because they were sort of really pushing us. And I think if Liverpool start like that against West Brom with the players that they've still got at their disposal, then I, I, don't, I just don't think West Brom will be able to cope with them. I think mm. there are frailties. And Sam Allardyce hasn't been able to do this season what he normally does. Sam Allardyce comes into a club usually when they're rock bottom or struggling, he gets them defensively robust. He gets them sort of giving them that little bit of belief in themselves and they nick, you know, points off somebody, you know, he's quite good at nicking the odd points off the big teams and they beat mm. the teams around him and they avoid relegation. That is literally what happens whenever Sam Allardyce goes into a club. This season that hasn't happened. He hasn't been able to do that. He hasn't been able to get that extra bit of motivation or extra 10% from the players. They haven't been able to be defensively reliable and they've just been you know, pretty poor going forward. And I just think that with the form Liverpool are in, the fact that they know they can't, you know, they, they, they can't sort of take the foot off the pedal and they have these players still, despite their injuries, are still a very strong team with the players they've got, you know, especially that midfield, that you look at that midfield they've got, then I just, I just think West Brom just don't have the, the, the personnel to cope. And I know, like I say, you know, in the past, you look at some Aldice teams and you go, well, player for player, they're not as good as their opponents, but they can get the draws against the, you know, the Chelsea's, the Cities, the Liverpool's, whatever. It's not been quite that set the same this season. I know they've had a, they've, they've had a few good results, especially against, you know, they had the win against Chelsea, didn't they, not long ago. Mm. But, but the reason they've been relegated is because they haven't had enough of them. And I just don't see it happening this this weekend. And that's not just me being a pessimistic Mancunian. I just I just think they, they haven't got they haven't got the belief or the personnel to do it. And I think Liverpool at the moment have both of those things. I'd be inclined to agree. Actually, I can't see West Brom getting much change out of this game at the Hawthorns against Liverpool. And you talk about having a good summer, Keezy. I was quite lucky to be at Old Trafford for that game against Liverpool. And uh, if Divock Origi's free kicks in practice before the game or anything to go by, then uh, I'd send your kids, Jay, around the back of the uh, 
the north stand to check for any balls because there must be plenty out there to be honest with you <laughs> um, Sunday yeah, 4th yeah, it was that bad Sunday 4.30pm kick off West Brom against Liverpool at the Hawthorns now another contender in the top four race albeit for me I think at the back of the queuing pack is Tottenham they take on Wolverhampton Wanderers this is a five past two kick off on Sunday afternoon so just before that West Brom v Liverpool game now we've mentioned it a few times already Liverpool's win over Manchester United Leicester also beat United midweek because they've had a mad schedule have uh, Manchester United West Ham have got Brighton away which we'll talk about shortly as well so how in the race are Tottenham Hotspur Keezy am I being perhaps optimistic to even include them in that jostle for the top four spots uh, yeah I think I think it is optimistic for them and I think their fans would agree but they're not out of it by any stretch but I, I think the thing with Spurs is I wouldn't even say that they're patchy because they've not been good enough in long enough spells to be patchy. Um, they're too heavily reliant on Kane, Son and Bale to pull them out of trouble because the rest of the team just doesn't really chip in. The The midfielders don't seem to get enough goals. The, they don't score enough goals from the, the defenders and I think that's what's going to kind of trip them up in the end. I, I wouldn't put them in the race, but I think... Um, before we get a bit more into Wolves, I think Wolves have been really poor yeah. this season. They've just stood still. I know that they lost the the talisman in Jimenez, but that's no excuse for the way that they've played some of the games. Some of the games were like they found themselves mid-table with Europe a step too far and they were never going to get relegated. And it feels mm. like they, they've been on the beach, if you want to use the cliche, for months. Mm. It's been pretty disappointing from them, but... Spurs have to win if they've got any shout and for me it's a bit of a long shot now yeah I mean let's not forget that they'll be looking at this game knowing that Wolves got smashed by Burnley just uh, a couple of weeks ago 4-0 so you're right Keezy Wolves are not in great form but Tottenham as you rightly mentioned are also very inconsistent this season what happens next for Spurs Jay, because obviously Ryan Mason's in charge at the moment and that's on an interim basis. They sacked Jose Mourinho pretty much immediately after the European Super League furor. So who do they go for, in your opinion? We've spoken about it a few times on the podcast, but there hasn't really been any solid links in the press in terms of the next Tottenham boss. Obviously, next season is only three months away, the start of August, and they might, you know, they're still yet to get a new manager in. They might not have Harry Kane amongst their playing squad as well it all could look very different in that time frame between now and then yeah I mean it's weird because you know like you say there's not been an out a sort of outstanding candidate where everyone goes okay that's the obvious one who's going to go to Spurs I don't think it's going to be Ryan Mason um I mean ironically there's been links that maybe suggestions maybe Nuno um from Wolves I don't know I don't think that's going to happen Brendan Rodgers is another name that's been thrown into the mix even Graham Potter which you know, seems a bit odd considering <laughs> the fact. I know. I mean, listen. I'm not saying this. You, you're happen. on the pod with his biggest fan, so Keezy loves yeah. Graham Potter. <laughs> right. Oh well. You know, I know that in the XG table for people that love all the XG stuff, he, which you know I do. I'm well into my XG. Um, <laughs> he's he's like fifth or something in sort of the the amount of goal chances they create and stuff like that. So. Um, but they're seventeenth, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, the ass. Right. You can't. No, that's the this thing. Isn't that's a the what, job that's, on that's Graham the, Sort of. That's the point you make, yeah. It's, you know, that is the sort of the, the downside or the, the flaw in that argument of can it be Graham Potter? Is it's a bit of a hard sell, I think, if you're a, a you know Daniel Levy or whatever, and you're going to see your, your fans who've just lost, regardless of the way he's been for the last few years. Jose Mourinho is one of the most yeah. successful managers in the modern era. 
he is. And he's and a huge name. And I think that's part yeah. of it as well. I think that he there's is. a lot of it that comes into Levy's thinking, Jay, which is yeah. obviously Pochettino is now at PSG and he's a sort of a world-renowned manager. Mourinho the same. I just can't see him going for someone who isn't, maybe not of the same calibre, but, but at least someone who's going to be somewhat of a draw. Yeah, and, and, you know, you just don't get that with, with Potter. I'm not saying that he couldn't, he couldn't make it work with those plays he's got at his disposal and also the way he plays football as well. I think if he actually had a finisher, which Spurs have got, then it could work and it could work well. But I don't know, it's a hard sell to the Spurs fans. You know, it's one of those things that if they actually went with it, it would probably work out, but they won't go with it because of the reasons we've spoken about. So we'd have to wait and see. But yeah, I mean, Spurs are just... It's just a real weird, it's weird in it, Spurs, because, you know, they've, they, they got to the Champions League final um, last season, didn't kick on from there at all, got to a League Cup final, sat the manager just before that. They give Ryan Mason, who's, is he 29, Ryan Mason? Mm. Is he, you know, like the youngest Premier League manager or whatever, ever, um, a, a, a stab at it, but there's no, obviously, you know, no feeling that he's the permanent man for the job. You've got Harry Kane, who's, who's finally looks like he's making noises that he could be on his way out. I mean, it's it just really odd, everything that's going on there. And I don't see how there's a plan here where you see it ending well. I don't see there's a strategy or there's a like, OK, no. Jose's gone because we've got this manager lined up. Or, you know, we've got a reason where we can keep Harry Kane because we can offer him this. You're not going to be able to offer him Champions League football, in my opinion. I don't see Spurs getting into the top four. So there's a good chance he's going to go. And mm. then I don't know how that's going to pan out in terms of where you invest that money. And I'm in the minority, and I know I am. I don't even think Harry Kane's going to go for the kind of money everyone thinks. Agreed. I don't think he's going for 120, 130 million. I don't. I think he's going 90. for around. Yeah. And people yeah. may laugh at that and go, Jay, Harry Kane, 30 goals a season for like every season for the last 10 years, or whatever. Just look at the facts. He turned 28 in the summer. His injury record's not that bad, but it's not amazing. And also, you've had this pandemic. There's other players that are available, mainly Erling Haaland, who's a lot younger and, you know, scores a similar amount of goals. And I just, I just don't see it. I think it is going to be like, you know, a £90 million sale, which is, you know, a lot of money, obviously. Mm. But how much of that goes back into the Spurs squad? How much of that goes towards the stadium? How much of that goes towards, you know, bringing in a new manager if they do get a big, shiny new manager with new wages and stuff? Yeah. So... It's just not a happy, happy camp for me. I don't know what the strategy is at Spurs. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Spurs fans... Do you know what? I bet even most Spurs fans don't. It just seems like a bit of a mess. And you know what? You said that the Kane comparison or the Kane prediction might be a bit dramatic. People might think I'm going to be dramatic what I'm saying here. I think the word is disarray. I really do think it's that bad at Tottenham yeah. because no, the Super League thing was a disaster. They're in a dispute with their own supporters' trust at the moment where basically the club are refusing to meet the fans and there's a mediator involved to try and get a meeting sorted out between the supporters' group and the club, which in all fairness is probably better than some other of the top six clubs involved in the Super League stuff. They post, they've sacked their manager, they'd, so they don't have a manager. They're not going to finish in the top four. The manager they did want, Nagelsmann, has gone to Bayern Munich. The other manager they wanted from Ajax has signed a new long-term contract. Harry Kane, their best striker possibly ever, is going to leave the club in the summer. Gareth Bale's going back to Real Madrid. I genuinely think the word is disarray. I have no idea what happens next for Tottenham. On that point, no, because obviously it's very relevant to what's going on with United with, you know, arguing with the board and trying to push for stuff and trying to, you know, get demands. I get all that. You know, when you go, you know, 
we, United fans have done that from the fans forum. We give a list of demands to our owners, and it's it's deeper than just the European Super League for Manchester United. It goes you know goes to the Glazers' ownership. But even that with the fans group from Spurs was it was it and correct me if I'm wrong was it like they want the whole board to resign? That's what they asked for, yeah. Yeah, which listen, I'm all for pushing you know changing ownership and balls to be held to account but it does seem a bit like unrealistic to me yeah yeah to, to just go we want you all to resign mm. is I mean, that gonna happen no i don't think so and then then where do you go from there when it doesn't yeah it's yeah it's just like you say this array's a perfect i, I think as well as well now we their super league position is a little bit different to a lot of other teams in that mm. they owe the bank of england 175 million quid they were meant to pay it in march and it's still outstanding they're in a really bad financial position and they, they needed the Super League like we said it at the time <laughs> Arsenal and Spurs owe the bank a lot of money and they kind of need that and I think mm. as Jay said before about Harry Kane him and maybe others will have to leave if they don't get Champions League football mm. because they're, they're in such a bad position and, and the thing with the manager they brought on themselves they got rid of a Pochettino manager who was a, a man manager who the players loved he was developing the young players. They brought in Mourinho, who's the total opposite. He's a he's a winner if given the right tools, and he didn't have the right tools, or at least he he we don't think he did. And now they want another Pochettino manager. It's like they they have the thing that they want. They get rid of him and they bring in a big name. It doesn't work. It's a it's a bit of a circus, isn't it? So they're they're in trouble if they don't get Champions League football for me. Mm. It, I think mainly because they're not going to be able to attract players that are going to take them to another level and they, they're going to have to sell mm. so yes yeah, it's, it's not not good fun for Spurs is it don't worry about that outstanding payment to the Bank of England Guns and Roses are doing two nights at the Tottenham Stadium this summer so I'm sure they'll be oh, raking in, in all the cash yeah. <laughs> well, prob- probably some <laughs> NFL games <laughs> Um, let's talk about Wolves obviously Tottenham's opponents on Sunday five past two start uh, you mentioned him just a moment ago Keezy Raul Jimenez do you think he'll play for Wolves between now and the end of the season because that were those were the indications maybe around just after Christmas when people were asking Nuno Espirito Santo a time frame on Jimenez's return and obviously with an injury as uh, fragile as a fractured skull you do need to throw caution to the wind at the very very least do you think part a of this question we will see him again before the end of the campaign and part b of the question should they sign another striker in the summer just in case he doesn't come back the same player because of course an injury that nasty there are absolutely no guarantees i don't think he'll play before the end of the season because what's the point the unless he's properly fixed and fit and ready then yes fine you could probably give him some minutes but there's no point they, they can't achieve anything else this season apart from probably a couple of positions higher um they're, they're better off kind of just resting him up and waiting until next season. I think it was clear that they needed a, a second striker who's who's good uh, without throwing much offence to that William Jose who they brought in on loan who's been pretty awful. Um, their squad, Wolves', Wolves squad is really poor. Um, for them to have got into Europe, uh, was it last season, season before? Mm. Season before. Uh, was, was an unbelievable achievement and that's why uh, Nuno's name was bandied about for uh, bigger jobs without any offence to Wolves there but the squad is going to need some real meat to it because otherwise they're just going to stand still in mid-table but we'll Mm. see I don't think their recruitment was particularly good either something that they've usually been pretty good at I thought it was poor especially when they lost Doherty and um, 
Johnny Otto as well, wing backs. I think that they've really struggled. Something that was a real kind of hallmark of their game and their success was their wing backs, and I don't think they've really replaced uh, the two that they've lost. One to injury, one signed by another club. Um, ironically, Doherty ended up going to Tottenham, didn't he? That's the game on Sunday, five past two. Spurs against Wolves. Brighton versus West Ham and West Ham are another side in contention for the top four. 8pm Saturday. West Ham are now six points off because Liverpool beat Manchester United. Liverpool's run in Jay is West Brom, Burnley and Palace left. Do you think West Ham have let their chance slip them by? I do, unfortunately, because, you know, obviously as a United fan, I'd love to see West Brom, well, West Ham, sorry, leapfrog over Liverpool. Um, they had that momentum, did they? Jesse Lingard obviously went there from United and was absolutely on fire and his, his record since he's been there is just phenomenal. Um, but they have tailed off a little bit and it's night now. You look at it, I think they've lost three of the last five. They're obviously in six and is it six points behind Chelsea but they've got a game in hand? Yeah. So it, it does seem difficult for them. It does. It and feels like West- that loss to Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, Jay, was even though it was in controversial fashion with the red card and stuff, yeah, it feels like that was red. a real nail in the coffin for them. It Not a nail in the West- coffin, but a dent. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that that was probably there, there are certain games you look back and you go, That was the moment. That that was it. And for for, for West Ham that may well be the one because it does feel like that. And also West West Ham are just one of those teams where I don't think I've seen a team like this, and it's just David Moyes all over, where in the first half of a game, they can look like one of the best teams you've ever seen. And in the second half, they can look awful, or vice versa. It's really <laughs> weird, you know, you know, just sort of because of Jesse Lingard going there, and I'm a big Lingard fan, I ended up watching a few West Ham games recently. And it's just, it is a sort of proper, you know, you get your cliche bell out here, mate, but it is a proper tale of two teams, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what is going on? How is that? How is this the same team that I just watched, you know, 15 minutes ago? It's really weird and it's ended up costing them a few points. And yeah, I think it's still a good season for them. I mean, you know, there was the people, you know, West Ham, a lot of people around West Ham might have looked at this season and thought, this is going to be a bit of a hard slog. This is going to be a season where we could finish in the bottom half of the table or even get sucked into a relegation fight. And yet, the 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 almost going to be disappointed with not getting Champions League, which without being patronising shows it's been a decent season for a club that mm. isn't always around there. But more than you know, you say you've they've missed a chance this season. I think they might have missed a chance a bit long term because one of the big questions is from a United point of view. I don't want to keep bringing it back to United, but it is relevant. Is Jesse Lingard going to stay at West Ham, for example? I don't know if he will. I think Jesse Lingard's ambition would be to play in the Champions League and play for a Champions League team. And I don't think Ham is that, even if the you know they've they've sort of had a dalliance with that sort of top four this season. Mm. Are West Ham historically a team that plays Champions League football? No, and I think <laughs> Jesse Lingard's form has earned him, and plus the you know what he's done at United in the past has earned him a move where other clubs who are Champions League clubs may well look at him. And also, there's a Declan Rice question: Is he going to go in the summer? And I think you take those two players out of that team. And I don't see them knocking on the top four door again next season, which is a shame because you know it's it's it would be nice as well to see different teams involved instead of the same old same old. But yeah, I just think that this might be the the, the chance that they've missed. And I, again, like like I said earlier, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I think if they finish in the top four at the expense of, of Liverpool, I'd be very happy. Well, come on then. Let's try and answer that Declan Rice question that you mentioned. I mean, because you would have a vested interest as a Manchester United fan because there's been plenty of links to Manchester United. He possibly could come back from injury this game against Brighton, so we could see him feature for the last couple of games of the season. Do you think he will be a West Ham player next season? And do you think he is perfect foil for what Solskjaer needs at Manchester United? 
I wouldn't say no to him at all. I think if we signed Declan Rice, we need a DM. We need a central defensive midfielder. Mm. I think he fits that sort of role. Is he the best option? Is he... Part of it, I have to sort of think with my... Who we've got as owner's hat on. We've got the Glazers. He's going to cost a lot of money. West Ham will... Because he's English, because he's played for, he's played for England, mm. because he's young, and I think he... I'm not sure. I think he signed a deal with West Ham not that long ago as well. It's not like he's coming to the end of his contract. He could end up costing almost 80 million which is a lot for us you know a defensive midfielder who's still not unproven but he's had one and a half good seasons for me so yes he fits the bill yes I'd like to see him but there may be other options out there that we can get who cost less than than Declan Rice and fit that bill as well you know there's been talks of um, I know he's a different slightly different type of player but the lad from Brighton is it Basuma or mm-hmm. maybe we go to Leicester again though you're probably going to get your pants pulled down because Leicester do play hardball someone like a Wilfred Ndide yep. who's a very good player um, so it remains to be seen what goes on there with, with that role but we definitely need a player in that mould the, the obvious sort of suggestion has been well we'll sell them Jesse Lingard or we'll do a swap deal where we give them Jesse Lingard and some money and they give us Declan Rice. But as I said earlier, I don't know if Jesse Lingard will see his long-term future or, you know, mm. even his short-term future because he's, he's, I'm not saying he's past it, so he's only 28, but he's probably got one big move left in him. Will that be, move be to West Ham? I'm not so sure it will be. Well, I suppose Manchester United do have that counter of Jesse Lingard that they can use as leverage, perhaps, and that does put Manchester United in a favourable position but as you say because he's English you always have to pay a premium for players in the Premier League so Declan Rice could return for West Ham this weekend as they travel to the Amex to take on a Brighton side who are 17th in the table as we've already highlighted and I know you're a big Graham Potter fan Keezy so I'll give you a chance to defend the main man now for all the praise that Potter gets to be 17th and pretty much lucky with the running they've got to not be in the relegation picture now I mean that's no better than what Chris Hewton was achieving before they sacked him and brought Potter in so I mean is that a fair assessment is that a fair question to throw I think it's a very different team though I think Hewton's team almost battled the way to safety and Hewton did very well and he was very unlucky to lose his job Mm. the thing with Potter is he's got that Brighton team playing really good football and if they could finish I'm I'm with Jay the XG stuff does my head in but having watched them and if you just watch them if if they could finish they'd, they'd be at least mid-table apart from a, a bit of a spell from Welbeck Mopay's had a bad season and Lalana's not got fire in and if just give them a striker or give Give them someone who scores goals and they'll be absolutely fine. I really like him and I stick with my prediction that he'll he'll end up at a top club sooner rather than later, I imagine. Is he... Uh, G- genuinely, I, I honestly I believe that if um, if Arsenal mm. were to get rid of Arteta... I thought you were going to say he's going to replace Pep when Pep's no, time's done. No. I, I mean, I'd love him <laughs> in an interim season just for a year, almost like a free hit. But um, I, I think if Arsenal were to get rid of Arteta and you want someone who's going to bring an identity of football back then uh, he'd be there I agree with Jay though he's he's not going to get the Spurs job because Spurs fans would lose their minds so yeah. thankfully though Arsenal fans are renowned for their level headedness <laughs> yeah but if, if you put a few Spanish okay accents 
yeah. put some like accents on his name, he'd be absolutely yeah. fine. <laughs> Brighton against West Ham, 8pm Saturday. Still a handful of Premier League games to discuss, including Everton against Sheffield United. We'll do it next here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social, brought to you by Boyle Sports. Thanks very much for downloading the show. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't ever miss an episode again. As I mentioned, brand new shows every single day of the Top Flight campaign. Still some weekend fixtures in the Premier League to look forward to. And this part will start with Everton against Sheffield United. This is the 7pm start on Sunday. Everton... I mean, consistency has been the key word coming out of Carlo Ancelotti's mouth, Jay, for the last, well, all season, really. I mean, they're in danger of missing out on Europe entirely. And that includes the Europa League, even though top four was an aim at one stage of the season. I mean, that will be a cause for concern. The consistency is missing, there's no doubt. But how does Carlo Ancelotti go about finding it? Um, I mean... You know, in terms of this season, he's not got much time left to do anything, has he, really? I think, again, it is, you know, he'd have to go again next season in the summer. They've got to be shrewd. I, thought, I felt they had, like, it felt like they had a good summer, didn't it, last season, with some of the signings they brought in, and especially early on in the season when they were doing really well. But then they just reverted to type. I mean, it just seems like this is what Everton do. They spend a bit of money, they bring in a new manager, um, and then they finish sort of mid-table-ish. And, you know, sometimes it's a little bit higher and sometimes it's like, you know, proper mid-table or I think last season they finished even the bottom half of the table. Um, so, yeah, it, you just feel like they have got to maybe almost use the fact they've got Carlo Ancelotti there because he is one of the most successful managers ever, um, which is quite rare for them to have a manager of that calibre. They have already got some decent players there. Again, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it's a, in, in some ways it feels a little bit like West Ham. It's like, can they keep hold of, of Calvert-Lewin, um, who's, who's obviously been you know a great player for them this season. There's, there's talk of, of, of clubs sniffing around him, even you know United have been linked with him sort of loosely. Uh, but I think they keep hold of him, bring him one or two more, then next season they can go for it. Um, and when I say go for it, I mean go for actually nailing down a Europa League place which isn't that sort of amazing but it's baby steps in it really because other than a few brief moments this season obviously the win at Anfield was a big one for them because I know Everton fans have been dying for that for was it 20 years or whatever mm. it hasn't been a great season especially when you look at the start and I think that as we often say with Everton it just feels like they flattered to deceive a lot yeah, I mean, with that Carlo Ancelotti factor, Kesey, if they don't finish in the Europa League at the very least, do you think that he's still got the attributes to attract a similar calibre of player? I mean, he managed to do it with James Rodriguez and Alan, players he's worked with before when Everton had a poor season last year. So can he do it again this summer, do you think, if they don't finish in the European places? Yeah, um, it's a weird one with Ancelotti because his name sort of goes before him and not in a Mourinho kind of way. Um, it, he's almost going to be safe, whatever happens, I think. I think it'd be a travesty for from an Everton point of view if they don't finish in Europe at all this season. Um, they had a great chance to, to secure that, and they went through... Well, they're still in a really wobbly patch. Every, every Everton form, I think the win-lose draw, win-lose draw, and it's that's not what you need. You just need to go on a run... <laughs> of winning three or four games in a row, especially this season. If Everton had won the last three games, they, they'd be fourth nearly. Yeah. So they're, they're so patchy, and again like Spurs, not in a good way, because they don't win enough games 
to counter the the games that they don't win. And there's some games like the Villa game. Was it last last night? When yeah, yeah Thursday. When was it Thursday? Very forgettable. Um, I don't know how they didn't win that game. They they're just very stale. If if they're not on, they're just not there. Mm. So I, I think it'd be a huge disappointment. But he's he's under no pressure for his job. There's nobody they could bring in who's who's going to make that side any better. There's still a few signings off from me from being a top side because they're still a little bit like slapdash in the squad. If you look at it, when Rodriguez is out and when... Which is a lot, by the way. It is a lot. Apparently he's back for this weekend, if Everton fans are happy about that. Um, like, Iwobi is not a, an adequate replacement for a team who wants European football. There's a big drop-off in quality between it's, it's first 11. astonishing, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The squad's just nowhere near good enough. Um so if you can get them into Europe, it's been a great season, but I don't think any Everton fan will be happy with eighth, no. especially after the that mid, mid-season. mid Don't forget, they won the league in like October <laughs> when they were top for three days. So <laughs> it's it's one of those things where they, they would have been very happy at the start of the season with a top seven finish. Yeah. But now at the end of the season, you'd be really disappointed. They're only a point above Arsenal mm. at this point. And uh, to be fair, Arsenal's form's been really strong. So... Um, yeah, I, I think they need to win this game. If they don't win this game, it's it's very poor because not beating Sheffield United at home this season is just not on. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think they'll, I think they'll win. Yeah, um, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. Wait, genuinely, did United not beat Sheffield United? Don't give me that genuinely rubbish. You can, like move, you on, you can move on. You can move on now. I just. Like to just get that Oh, goodness me, the bait is well and truly on the end of the hook. Uh, Sheffield United, bottom club, relegated from the Premier League, travel to Goodison Park to play Everton. That's Sunday, 7pm. The early kickoff Saturday, half 12 start is at Turf Moor, where Burnley take on Leeds United. And talking of well-respected and somewhat revered managers, let's talk a little bit about Marcelo Bielsa, who's been speaking in the press before this game, Jay, saying that he's unsure... Uh, whether he's going to recall captain Liam Cooper to the side. Cooper has been serving a suspension after being sent off against Manchester City recently. What sort of a message does that does that send out to A, the supporters and B, the rest of the squad when you're coming out and saying that sort of thing in the press? And I'm not questioning Marcelo Bielsa's methods or anything like that. I'm just saying that it seems to me like quite a strange thing to say about the club captain. Yeah, I mean... It it does, and but there's this thing with Bielsa in it that everyone just you know laps up him what and, he says. Yeah, and he is like you know he's he's lauded as this great genius, and obviously Pep Guardiola loves him, and and you know I even know like some United fans who who, who rave about him, and I just don't know why because you know obviously he's done a good job at Leeds this season, but he's had like a 50 year managerial career, and he's not won anything for about 25 of them. Um, but he's done a good job this season, and. You know, he's obviously a very deep thinker and he has his own way of doing things. He has his own sort of, you know, foibles. And I think Leeds fans probably trust him. You know, they trust the process and what he's doing. And yes, it does seem like a bit of a strange thing to say and a bit of a weird thing to do. Um, but you can't argue with what he's done at Leeds. He's taken them from the Championship to mid-table, comfortably mid-table in the Premier League when, you know, we've seen how other promoted teams have struggled. So, yeah, it's odd, but... And I don't. And this sounds like I'm being a United fan, I'm just criticising the manager. And if it's possible, I mean, this is in a nice way. But he's quite an odd character. Mm. But it works for him and Leeds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it does. Yeah. 
and it's like there's no point in saying he's a, a you know he's just a run of the mill manager he isn't there's yeah. no one else like him in no. the Premier League there just isn't who does you know these sort of two hour PowerPoint presentations to the press and just the sort of things that he does he's one of the most cerebral men in the world when it comes to football and the way he goes about his business and his taxes and everything but he hasn't bothered to learn English which is obviously a choice not because he can't he just doesn't want it it just he, he just has these little sort of quirks mm. that ultimately at Leeds United have worked because the yeah. sat in 10th place you know above a lot of other teams who, who have had bigger budgets who have been more established and all that sort of mm. stuff and, and Leeds have also done it playing football that is entertaining other than the game against United which was the worst game of football ever they've had <laughs> games you know they've had the games where they've had loads of goals either end of the pitch and it's just you know it's usually a good a good bit of box office to watch mm. Leeds United so yes it's it's a strange one but he's a strange man and it works for Leeds United and I guess the Leeds United fans will stomach whatever he does as long as he's keeping him comfortably in the Premier League, which he is. Yeah, mind you, Sergio Aguero's been in the country for 10 years and he still claims he can't speak English. I mean, I'm not having a dig which there. Which is people absolute... Make, people make... You know, by the way, Aguero not, speaks fluent English. I yeah, know he I'm does. Not, because, you I, know, I think it's a choice. The, I think he's he probably speaks English, but like Aguero... He just and almost like David Silva, they they don't want to be uh, mistranslated. So they. You know. They, do you know what? It's a good point, Akizi, because I remember um, in my journalism days interviewing uh, Roberto Mancini, mm. and he he was like he didn't speak any English. He was going through his translator, and then I asked him about Socrates, who just passed away, and all of a sudden his English became better than mine because yeah, it was a question he wanted to answer, and he it's wanted. It's a choice, given, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, which I kind of get because it's think, like you've got a, you've got a little tool there that you can use. And so why not? And also, there are so many, you know, instances of this, especially during the international break, where there is almost always a story about Paul Pogba, where he's been speaking in French and it's been translated from French, and it sounds a hell of a lot worse than it exactly, actually is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you see it all the time. I mean, I think on Marcelo Bielsa, though, in general, I think you're right, Jay, and I would completely agree with what you said. Him and Leeds is like hand in glove it works really well for them and you know you can't say that what Marcelo Bielsa has done there isn't a good job he's done an incredible job at Leeds United however I sometimes think that Bielsa is bigger than the club and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Leeds because they're a huge football club in this country I just think that if Bielsa walks away what happens next I think that they are so at the mercy of that man that if he walks mm. away, they're really going to struggle to find themselves again in terms of where they go next, who they employ next, what the situation is. And as for these talks of manager of the season, I don't know whether this is just social media spiel or whether it's not genuine. Why is he even <laughs> in the consideration? He, he came, He's not even he in came, the top 10. He came second in the best manager in the world last year and he got he got Leeds promoted to the Premier League. That's lunacy. If you yeah. want to sum up, uh, Bielsa and Leeds this season. First of all, mightily impressive to bring a side up. Brilliant. Put, put them into mid-table. They were never, ever getting relegated. But if you want to sum up the season, they've scored 53 goals this season. They've conceded 53 goals this season. <laughs> they've won 15 and lost 15, and they've got a goal difference of zero. And where are they in the table? Tenth. Oh, so they are the, perfect. Most, <laughs> the most perfectly middle-table team, mid-table team at the minute. Yeah, they're good to watch. And the the thing with, with Bielsa and Leeds, they've got a real opportunity in this next summer, in the next January, and if he goes beyond that, if they can tighten up at the back and bring in a bit more quality, they they could easily get into Europe. Easily. Mm. Mm. Because there's there are worse teams around them. So Yeah. Well, one person who I think would cut off their right arm to 
swap positions would be Sean Dyche at Burnley. We've spoken about Dyche a lot in recent weeks, so we'll just leave the Burnley chat there for now. But uh, Turf Moor is the venue. It's the Clarets take on Leeds half 12 on Saturday. Time for another short break here on Football Social Daily. More Premier League chat after this. Welcome back. Still two Premier League games to look ahead to. My name's Niall J. Motti and Adam Keyworth alongside me here on today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget Fergal Brennan and the gang will be back tomorrow with a full rundown of all the weekend's action. All the games across Saturday and Sunday completely pulled apart for you. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that show. But for now, let's look ahead. And this game now is and the game we're going to talk about now, Southampton against Fulham. 3 p.m. traditional Saturday kickoff time. Southampton was 17th before they beat Crystal Palace midweek. My question, Keezy, is, and I'm not just saying this to sound like a bitter Portsmouth fan, there's a lot of pressure on Steve Bruce at Newcastle, for example. He's just one manager of the month for April after what has been a good month for the tune. But there's been barely any pressure on Ralph Hasenhurtl, mm. considering they were top in October. Well, they've also He's also overseen two 9-0 defeats. And as recently as two or three days ago, they were 17th in the Premier League table. Why does he never come under any pressure? Uh, my honest answer, and it's built people off because I usually do. Um, Newcastle fans' expectations are sky high. And Southampton this season, I think, would be ha- would have been happy to, to stay up, stay safe and be able to rebuild a bit more. Um, the thing with Southampton is they peaked so early. They peaked really early and... They're very lucky that Ings got the goals when he did because without those goals from Ings that, that kind of carried them into October, November where they were they were looking really strong and they looked like mid-table and above would have been about right for them. Without those goals, they, they could have gone right down into, into a fighting battle with 18th place with Fulham. So it's been a weird season for them. Um, I think with Has- the thing with Southampton as well, and again, this is no disrespect, and you'll you'll probably agree, Niall, is if they got rid of Hassan Hootel, who's not a bad manager, I don't think. No, I don't um, think he's a bad manager. I just, I just, if, it just baffles me why nobody criticizes him because for the job in? he's done. Who comes in? But I just, the, I just don't think that's, I just don't think that's particularly relevant. Yeah. Who comes in? Someone will take the Southampton job. Pochettino took the Southampton job. Yeah. You know, some someone will be out there to take a job in the Premier League in what is a middling club on the south coast, a nice area, not far from London. I mean, there's a lot of things going for Southampton. Yeah. So I, I, it's, not like it's not like they're not going to attract... It's not like some, it's not I, like some of the other clubs, for example. Yeah, I just don't think they'll be able to attract anybody better at the moment. They do, they do. With, it's weird, though, isn't it, with Southampton? Sorry to jump in, keys, but I don't yeah. get where you're coming from. But, um, no, they do go through managers quite yeah, they do. frequently. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like Poch and then, was yeah. it, um, Koeman and, and Puel? Mark Hughes. And, Mark Hughes and Pe- was yeah. Pe- I almost forget Pellegrini wasn't, um, yeah yeah like, or Pellegrino wasn't no, it no sorry Pellegrino. yeah probably it was the, yeah, the, the, the other one um, <laughs> so you know they do do that and it's not like that you've got a board that are staunchly like we stick by our managers that's what we do well they don't it's just Hassan Hootles sort of broke the mould and I've, I've seen them a few times this season obviously I saw them in that 9-0 which they sort of got a pass for because they got a very early sending off and they had a lot of injuries but getting beat 9-0 is a disgrace. Yeah, so you, let's not you, kid ourselves. You still it's don't lose 8-0 with 10 men, do you? You just no. don't do it, no. No, and, and to do it twice in, the, in in two seasons is all unbelievable, whatever it is. Is it two seasons? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is weird to me that 
I, I'm with you, and I, I get what Keezy's saying. Newcastle fans, in their head, seem to think that they're, you know, it's still the Kevin Keegan was challenging for the title glory days, and we should be playing this amazing football that wins us loads of matches. But I'm surprised that Hasan Hootl isn't under more pressure. I'm surprised they're not having a serious conversation like, you, is it time not, to reset think, this because it's not working? Do you not think it's it's partially to do with the fact that they keep winning the games that they really need to win? So, like that Palace game, yeah, winning that just threw them right back into what the 14th and one point behind Palace. Mm. If they'd have lost that, he's 17th, and they're thinking, "Oh, uh, this isn't good enough." But they've been doing that all season. Any time they get right near the bottom, they win the next game and they're back yeah. into that little shuffle just, of 13. Uh, do you know what I think? I think it is. I think Jay, you've answered your own question. Yeah. Because I think because they've sacked so many managers in the last five right, years, yeah, I yeah. think financially so. to sack um, Hasenhutl, it might not make any sense for them. Um, and there's been question marks whether the club's up for sale and all of that. I just think it's an interesting debate and one that's kind of flown under the radar uh, again. Just wonder why that isn't the case. And I'm not calling him for him to be sacked because they won a lot of plaudits for not sacking him after they got beat 9-0 against Leicester and everyone was going, oh, he's turned it around. He's made them into a good side. You know, they were 17th last week. I mean, that's a concern, isn't it? Considering that, you know, not five years ago, they were in Europe. And I suppose, you know, it depends on expectations. Earlier we were talking about Wolves and how, you know, they've had a bad season and Nuno and and all this stuff. And and they've not really, you know, they've they've not really done that well and and they needed to kick on. And, you know, they're, they're comfortably above Southampton. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you criticise Nuno, and a lot of people do, and I can understand that. People criticise Palace and say, well, what are their ambitions? What are they doing? And yet, Southampton are below those teams. Yeah. And you think, mm-hmm. and also, Southampton have been in the Premier League a while now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not new. No. Nope. And is, it's is like, the... so what, what's going on there? What are you doing? Are you, are you literally just surviving? Is that it now? Is that your it's, ambition? It's the other thing, though. So I got slated on this pod for doing that to Newcastle, asking what their ambitions were. Sometimes is the ambition just to do better than the last season? Well, I think that like, would what would be when, considered as progression. That's what I mean. When you're in that shuffle between seventeenth and tenth, let's say, yeah, where you're not you're not going to get anywhere near Europe, and you don't want to get relegated, and you're just trying to progress a little bit. But then you could argue that Southampton just haven't really progressed. They were so good at the start of the season; they were beating everyone, and then they just dropped off a cliff. And yeah, they had some injuries and the rest of it but it's standing still isn't I it just, I just well, they're not going to get they're not going to finish are they on the same points they had last season no, no well if you, no if you look the, at the, it, yeah, the thing they, 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 were they like was it 11th last season I think yeah 50, yeah but if you look at Palace Palace Southampton Burnley Newcastle and Brighton for that matter it's just standing still they've all just stood still this season yeah. you've got Leeds who came into the, the league and mm. they're 10 points better off than Southampton with 3 games to go and it's it's just a tough one because you, you can't bring in and they're, they're going to struggle basically to replace Hasenhutl because he's a good manager. They're going to have to improve the squad, give him another season and if he doesn't improve then obviously the pressure comes and he'll go. They have conceded the second most goals in the league though. Mm. Nine, nine of them came at Old Trafford though so you can caveat True. it there. So but, but but even if you get rid of them they've still, they still would have conceded 53 goals. So yeah, a lot. They've conceded 62 and it's that's an issue. So they're going to have to have a, a decent summer, I think. Mm. They could um, lose. They could lose Ings, though, couldn't they? 
Oh, easily. If if they don't, yeah. I'd be stunned. I'd be yeah. stunned yeah. if. Um... And that's that's like you say, now he's he's saved them for two seasons yeah. now. Yeah. Mm, like yeah. basically last season and this season, you take him out of the equation. I think they're playing championship football. You, tell you and... what, uh, Niall, if you, if you want a massive swing from me <laughs> on on a predict early prediction for next season, I think Ings will end up uh, somewhere like Wolves, and I know that sounds or West Ham. He'll go somewhere who are in need of a another striker to, to really push them up the table, I think. I thought at the start of the season he was going to end up with bloody City or United or uh, well, anywhere. Yes. But it stinks of a Glazer signing, so don't count no, that he's, one out. Just, yeah. No, no. His, his injuries will count against him there. He's never passing a medical at the, one of the top six clubs. Not um, to be honest, I'm absolutely sick of talking about them by now, so uh, we'll Fair leave enough. it there. Southampton on, against Fulham, three o'clock kickoff Saturday. Final game we're going to talk about because it is a reduced programme this weekend in the Premier League. Of course, there's been a handful of midweek matches and a few next week too, but this is the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday. Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa. I'm sure Jesus everyone's Christ. set their sky planner for that one. <laughs> oh um, my God. We spoke about Aston Villa throughout this week on the podcast because of their board draw against Everton um, and we've spoken about Grealish so we'll leave them to one side and we're going to talk about the delight that is Crystal Palace Football Club. Um, The rebuilding job they've got there at Selhurst Park is a significant one, Jay. How important is it that they do get the summer right? Because it feels like the last time that they had something similar on the cards was when they brought in De Boer and that went downhill rapidly and they sacked him after five games. Yeah, I mean, it's really a tough one, isn't it, with Crystal Palace? Because, I mean, what is the level of ambition? What have they got to sort of to push them forward in any way, shape, or form? They've got to, you know, bring in a manager, and hopefully he's got to be a bit of a magician, really, hasn't he? Because I don't see him having any budget. I don't see him having a, you know, loads of. Young, I know they've got a couple of young players. Um, is it easy lad as well? He, he's, mm-hmm. he looks, he looks very good. But it's not like they've got an abundance of young players who you think can kick on. The, 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 the sort of the Wilfred Zaha thing will obviously go on again this summer because it does every summer um, and it just I don't know it just seems like a bit of a and again you're going to have to get your, your cliche bell out, uh, bell out Niall <laughs> forgive me but it just seems a bit of a poison chalice this one to me <laughs> I just feel like Palace have always just about and Hodgson's done it you know kept them comfortable because he's got that experience he knows these players he knows how to just make it work and they've, they've been round the houses at the Palace in the past with managers and sort of got, you know, managed to survive and just about done it, you know, with the likes of Tony Pulis and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for, for him next season. And I just don't know. I just think, like, what what is, you know, not what's the point of Crystal Palace because obviously the club has got a lot of fans, you know, and I, I appreciate that. It's your club, it's your fans. But You've what got are a point, their though. ambitions? What are they doing? No, no. Like, well, they're, it... they're 106 years old, Jay, as a football yeah. club. They've never won a major trophy. They've never won a divisional title, I believe. I'm not 100% convinced. I think they never won the championship. Yeah. They only came up through the playoffs. So in terms um, of having yeah. something to celebrate, you know, getting to the FA Cup final against your boys and losing to yeah. that Jesse Lingard goal five years ago. That's well, they've done it almost... twice against us. Yeah, they've it, twice they've been the, in the final the, against the us. Thing with, the thing with well, Palace yeah. is they're very happy to be in the Premier League. If you ask any Palace fans, they're, they're, they're happy to just progress a little bit in the league. I genuinely think... Well, they're happy to be above Brighton, aren't they, I think? Yeah, well, yeah, basically. Well, Whoever that's comes the worst in... derby ever as well. Come uh, on. That's not like, Seriously. That. Um, We're happy to rivalry. be above Brighton. Why? That, that uh, club that's miles away from you. It's <laughs> got like, no real relevance to you, but you're just... Desperate for some sort um, of derby. If Behave. if whoever comes into Palace this summer, if they keep Palace in the league next year, it is a miracle. Yeah, because I agree with that. they've got half half the squad leaves in summer. 
they've they've got Roy Hodgson, who is a wonderful human being. Um, he's seventy four this year. He, yeah. There's no way he sticks around. And if he does, that's ridiculous. Well, he's out of contract. He's going to leave. Just I think that's for inevitable. God's sake, let mm. the man go and retire. Um, whoever comes into that club, if they keep them in the league next year, it's an unreal achievement. But next season will be the third season that we've done Football Social Daily, this podcast. And yeah. at least two, three of the pundits that we get on the show have said Crystal Palace will go down at the start of each season. And it's Hodgson's just not happened. Hodgson is a very, very good manager at being steady, getting them the results that they need. They won't blow everyone away. They'll just get the results and, and they'll be fine. They've got to a point where they're going to lose half the team and the manager. And they've they've not been great in the league this year. If if anyone can keep them up, like they're only on 41 points. They're, they're just sat there, mm. kind of marooned in 13th. If anyone can come in and keep them up, fair play. Because that's a job. Like, like Jay says, uh, cliche bell out, <laughs> poison chalice and all that. Yeah. Because... That's a tough, tough ask, isn't it? And do you know tough. what? I think that is indicative of the standard of this season's Premier League. And that's not taking anything away from Manchester City, yeah, yeah. who have been easily the best. But for Palace to be 13th on 41 points, when we always talk about 40 points being the marker for survival. It, it's not oh. been 40 for a while, though, has it? It's just mm. been that the, the bottom three teams have been quite bad. Yeah. Relegation um, has gone from being a race to 40 points to, oh, there are three worse teams than us in the league, correct. so don't worry about it. And I think that's been like that for a while. I think a positive... 30 give... points could have kept you safe this season, yeah. which is <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? Like, it's... knocking 10 points off that 40-point map. Come on. We've what got going one, on there? There's, there's one positive for, for Palace, and I follow a couple of their fans on Twitter and whatnot. They've got a very, very, very good youth team. Right, fair enough. So yeah, that, have, might, yeah. that might help them a little bit. Mm. Maybe, but oh my god, I would. It, Palace fans will be scared of next season. But so do Fulham, and they're down. So oh I yeah, mean... but they they always they come up and spend a hundred million, and, hope it works. <laughs> and it it doesn't always work. And they had a good go, but I'm sorry, having a good go is very different to having a good go and it working. Mm. Oldest squad in the Premier League, Crystal Palace. Oldest manager in the Premier League. Will they still be a Premier League side next season? Of course, we wait and see. They're safe for now and they take on Aston Villa 12pm Sunday. Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thanks very much, Keezy. Thank you, Jay. I'm off to take the longest bath possible after talking about Southampton for more than 10 minutes. I feel completely unclean. Going to have to wash all that off. Me me and Jay are going for a celebratory uh, Coca-Cola for another... Manchester City Premier League title. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just need to stop off at the chemist and get some arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Football Social Daily. Please don't take any of these boys' advice seriously. And uh, when you do stop off at the chemist, make sure you stop off for the things you need and not anything that you don't. <laughs> Catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Don't forget, Fergal will be back tomorrow with a full review show of all the weekend's Premier League games. But that's it for now. We'll catch you again soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.